right, I think we're pushing live. Okay. I think it's going, yeah. I'm not sure what happened there, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Apologies for a little uh, snafu. We got a warning in YouTube that we had a duplicate stream key. And so for some reason it was streaming to uh, two different places and I think it canceled one of the streams. So anyway, we are here now. Everything's good. Uh, share this link. Um, what's up everybody? Uh, let's see, I'm not sure where the best place to update all that, but we'll let people trickle in. We'll share the link. We got this cool little video actually. Let's do that. Let me go ahead and get this video playing in the background here. Uh, if you missed it, we had a dope event last week. We put a little highlight video together. And so as people kind of show up, we're going to go ahead and play this. They give us a second to um, share this link in other places to catch up with everybody else who might not uh, make this transition with us. Anyway, check out this dope little highlight of the open house event this past check, week. Check, check. Is this thing on? Yeah, it's, it's starting to stabilize. I'm going to refresh. And I want to yeah, refresh. And I'm yeah. Calm down before you stress up the groove. The energy a little different when the blessings accrue. Hey, who you talking to? Just know I ain't no regular fool. Could be anything in the world, but I can never be you because I had time like I'm on my tiptoes. With everybody becoming a creator and going on their own is kind of a new, it's not a business model, but organizational structure um and i think that is kind of a revolutionary standpoint yeah. from again from how organization even work we used to rely heavily on wordpress and webflow has allowed us to be a lot more nimble and so for me webflow just really became it really bridged the gap and it made web design fun and modern again and, and yeah it's a challenge but it's kind of the next level i think of being uh, a Webflow developer is, is thinking about bigger projects with more people and how you can facilitate that. Say a client comes and they say, we have a web problem, uh, we need a website. And we say, well, you know what, you, you have a website, it, it might be crap, it might not work, it might never do exactly what you want it to do, but it does function. You have a bigger thing that you have as a story problem. And I think that every time you sort of go through this process, you see what you couldn't do or what you didn't do ideally, or you get new ideas um, and you kind of have to like, you know, build it again. Um, and you'll learn so much about doing this. You will learn to build. You will learn, you know, if people are interested, you will just learn so much by just building. These tools are giving us the opportunity to build new experiences and tell stories and kind of engage an audience in ways that we haven't really had, you know, like like before. And to me, that's the power of what's evolving here is, is the ability to just, like you said, Rand, build something and then explore. I just have to say, I'm happy to be here. Like I snuck in for a little sneak peek earlier and it's just amazing to see like the way this conference is unfolding. Yeah, this is super, super cool. It, it feels way cooler to see a bunch of little people in this crowd than just like a bunch of squares on Zoom. So this is awesome. No, it's really, really awesome. I, I really do hope uh, you met what you said before of like keeping it on. Oh yeah, 100%. I've been seeing just yeah, because I'm going to pop in here and there just between meetings or, or whatever, just to say hi and um, would love to see kind of some part of this vibe uh, keep going. Find, go to things like this, find your community, have a voice, find a platform, use it to write, talk, yell, scream about your ideas and people will start to notice. This experience was crazy. I've never oh, yeah. done anything like this before. It's definitely the future. I don't know if I like this future or not, but it's definitely the future. <laughs> but um, it's exciting times, exciting times. I've done lots of meetups. I've never done anything like this. This has been so cool. So thanks everyone for showing up and being Thank a part you. of this, organizing uh, audience, whatever. Like this has just been uh, humbling. By the way, that was the, the coolest 
the coolest, uh, you know, like moving from one room to the other and seeing oh, a bunch yeah. of people follow. <laughs> uh, I, I've, that felt really uh, surreal. Thanks for being here, y'all. All right, so there we have it. A little highlight reel from the Global Open House. That was uh, March 25th. That was last week. It was a fantastic event. It was kind of crazy. As you saw, we kind of blew through the uh, server a little bit there. And um, anyway, once things settled down, it was fantastically amazing. If you were there, you could see it, uh, tell it was electric. But um, anyway, we're here now. Uh, We're talking about Webflow security. And this is you know, a pretty important topic. There's a lot to kind of dive into and discuss today. Um, If we could ask for your help actually real quick, because this URL is not the one that other people were expecting to find the link on or the stream on. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing or or, or putting this out there in whatever medium you have to help uh, other people find us here, we would appreciate that. So anyway, uh, let's have and grow. Okay. All right. So if you were uh, at the open house, go ahead and leave your thoughts in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your experience. If you missed it, uh, better luck next time. We had all sorts of cool uh, things going on. Literally, uh, Vlad and Brian even stopped in. Uh, all the, It was like all the Webflow super users and power users were at this event. Uh, we're going to keep doing lots of this. The space is still open. I think there's people hanging out over there right now. And so anyway, um, lots to cover today. Joe, what's up? Any thoughts? Hello. Hi. Want to say what's up to the, to the squad? Yeah, I'm I'm still coming down from the high of the event. All weekend I was thinking about how great it was. That was really really a special thing that we all put on together. So, great job everybody involved, everyone that was there, really great job. And then very soon after that, we dropped FinSuite cookie consent for Webflow. And this is something we've been working on nonstop for a little over a month now. We put a lot of resources into this and we built it for you. And it was inspired by this show. We had so much love and activity towards the GDPR issue. We saw that topic rising. So we said, let's do something else other than just talk about it. Let's come up with a solution to go and help people. So we released that last week. We just released the clonable yesterday. Go and check it out. It's going to help you become GDPR compliant. Yep, great. Uh, yeah, and they can find that on our Facebook page, Twitter page, um, in the Webflow Facebook group, um, pretty much anywhere you can find some Webflow stuff, even in the showcase, there's a, a clonable from us, as well as a couple people in the community have even started jumping on and creating some, uh, some stuff for us. And so that is also great. We appreciate you all for that. So, uh, anyway, let's get right into it today. Let's go ahead and bring up our show topics for the day. Today, we're talking all about security. This is episode 11. Um, like we do when we talk about issues that have a lot of breadth, we like to start out with a big fat disclaimer. <laughs> Same thing we did with the GDPR episode and some of the other episodes we've done. Uh, big disclaimer here that there are a lot of things that can make your site or open up your site 
to vulnerabilities or make it not secure. We're going to talk about uh, what comes kind of baked into the cake as far as security is concerned with Webflow natively. And we're going to talk about some common uh, security vulnerabilities that you could open yourself up to as you start connecting other products or bringing other things into your site. And so some things to think about, but there are a ton of places where you can open up your site. You can, you know, make a mistake here uh, and, and we're not going to cover all of them. And so just a heads up, uh, Joe, anything you want to add to that disclaimer? Yeah. And also we're not experts. We, we think that we are able to go and talk about this. We're going to give you a lot of information that you did not know prior to this. We talked to our technical team before this episode, but we are not security experts. And if you're watching this, you may not be a security expert. So just keep that in mind. We're giving you the baseline information, but this is a very, very complex topic. Let's jump in. Great. Uh, so let's do that. Let's talk just a little bit right at the beginning. Um, you know, what's kind of natively built into Webflow. And uh, one of the first things to think about is, you know, Webflow, uh, two things actually. One, Webflow only serves up static files on the front end. And so there's no access from the front end to the back end database on Webflow, which means that, you know, hackers can only grab what's exposed through your CMS, what's being published. Uh, and what's kind of pushed out on that front end, there's no way to kind of touch your server. And so in the context of like, can people, you know, infect your server like they do with WordPress and some of these other vulnerabilities? No, right out of the gate, you have that. And you also have um, AWS, their hosting infrastructure provides a ton of um, uh, specific blocking. I'm actually going to share this link in the chat. Webflow does a good job of kind of talking about what's baked into the cake here as it relates to their security. Um, and so those are kind of two core features that, that they, that they block, uh, right from the beginning and a couple things, uh, Joe, do we want to talk about like, um, cross-site scripting, which. Yeah, natively, let's get into that. But first, oh. no, I was just going to say natively Webflow blocks this, right? So anything, any, any form that's submitted into Webflow, anything that you're kind of doing like inside of the box of Webflow has a lot of security kind of baked in. It's really and we'll talk about this next, is, is where you start seeing the vulnerabilities is when you start adding things on, when you start adding form inputs that don't necessarily feed right into Webflow, which you may be doing for GDPR. You may be sending them to some other party. You may be doing something with those form inputs that then feeds it to somewhere else that then displays that data on the site. Th those are the places where you can start getting into vulnerabilities that are not natively going to be protected by some of the, the stuff that Webflow brings in. Uh, DDoS attacks, another one, denial of service, uh, dedicate, uh, directed uh, denial of service attacks, which you, you hear a lot about people just kind of sending a lot of bot traffic or spam traffic to your website to block people from accessing. This is another thing that Webflow kind of protects. This is part of that Amazon Web Shield. And so there are a lot of things that Webflow does to try to help make your website more secure. And uh, Webflow by default is a lot more secure than WordPress. But that doesn't mean that it's 100% secure, especially as you start kind of pushing and growing and expanding that functionality. So uh, any, anything I got wrong there, Joe? Anything you want to add into that? All right. All good. And I'll, I'll add on top of that that Webflow does do a good job with security. They really do care. And we've spoke to our developers. We work with enterprise company developers developers that have been working in traditional platforms that focus on security. And when they go and check out the Webflow system, they get the check. Webflow gets that check of approval. So if you're working natively in Webflow, like Reimar just said, it's secure. You are, you're working in a very powerful platform. And really the only time you have to be very aware of what you're doing is when you start 
going outside of the Webflow infrastructure, which happens. It happens all the time. Webflow gives us a really powerful feature set that's very secure, but sometimes you get that client request that asks for something else or asks for the next level or asks for something with an API. And that's when you have to start putting on your security hat. So let's yeah. get into that. Yeah, there's one other thing. What I want are to... those? What are those vulnerabilities? One more thing before we jump into that. One more thing I wanted to talk about is people talk a lot of times about like uh, WordPress and how vulnerable it is and and how at risk it is for security. Um, and I just wanted to point out that it is this way because it is so prolific, right? Because there's so many uh, WordPress websites out there. So this creates an incentive for hackers to figure out ways to get into these sites. And it's also set up just a little bit different. And so uh, I, what you will see is as Webflow grows in popularity, as this platform becomes more robust, as you start seeing like more access to the server, more access to the database, more access to like for functionality for plugins, developers, whatever it is, you will see a lot more vulnerabilities arise. Like you'll see a lot more people come uh, to attack Webflow sites. Right now, there's just not that many Webflow sites. And so if you're trying to think where you're going to spend your time and you're a hacker, you're going to focus on WordPress because that's where the majority of the sites on the market are. And there's a lot more data that can be exposed there just inherently based on, on the nature of the site. And so just know that what we're talking about now is based on, you know, Webflow as it exists today and, and how things are structured right now. Uh, but that may change over time as well. And so some of these vulnerabilities and some of these things that are, are going to come up that we'll talk about here uh, may, you know, may change over time. Anyway, another disclaimer. So uh, let's get into some of these vulnerabilities. Like, where do you start seeing, Joe? Where do where do we start seeing and what are the things that we start thinking about as we're building inside of these sites? It's when you're using external code. When you start putting in a script inside your Webflow site, now there is something that is outside of Webflow being added to your Webflow build. There's a whole bunch of things you can do inside of a script. You can do something fun and visual like a lot of us do with scripts, or you can do things that are very malicious. We're working with web forms. We're working with maybe personal data, maybe some membership-based functionality, maybe some login-based functionality. And once we start getting into that personal data and we mix it with the scripts, that's when things can start to happen. Yeah. So before we get into the specifics, make sure you trust the scripts that you're using. If you see a script online and you have no idea what it does and it has to do with forms and it has to do with doing something with users, be very careful about using that. You should only be using scripts from reliable sources or you should know exactly what that script is doing. Yeah. So that's that's really, that's when we get into the specifics, understand the general, using code, form submissions, and understanding how that can work together. Yeah, and one of the, and that's that's a good thing to point out here too, that one of the things that Webflow does natively is they sanitize those form submissions. And so uh, one of the popular ways to submit you know, like a SQL injection is through a form, you know, you inject some extra code into one of the form fields and that can then start causing problems. It can start taking over. And, and so this is, again, one of those things where Webflow scrubs all of that. And so uh, that's not going through if you're using a basic Webflow form. 
But when you're getting into some of the custom code, let's say um, some you know custom form tool, you're going to have somebody build something over top, right? Somebody releases a plugin and you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to add this functionality to my website. Well, you may be giving this person a backdoor into everything that happens with that portal, right? So everything then that happens through that login, through that experience, through whatever's, whatever that little added functionality is, you could just be opening that up to somebody else and you could be opening the site up for other vulnerabilities, again, which we'll talk about here. Um, do you want to, should we just go through them kind of one, one by one or what? Yeah, let's, let's touch a little bit more on the sanitizing of data. What is this? This is cleaning the data, sanitize. So instead of being able to submit anything through a form, including code that shouldn't be in there, or maybe input values that are manipulated through some other code on the, on the build, Sanitizing that data is making sure that anything that could be malicious is cleaned up, whether that's cleaning up characters or cleaning up uh, words or anything like that, making sure that what we're submitting through the form, what's what's actually being done is clean. Yeah, so no, Webflow does this natively. No executable code. That's makes it when you bumper. are doing that. Yes. No, ex no executable code. When you're using Webflow forms. Now, let's say you're using a different form setup. You're using something like um, a MailChimp or a Marketo or a HubSpot. These are not through Webflow. These are also reliable companies. So we can, we can trust that MailChimp is taking these precautions. If you're using Lisa's form system or Bob's form system, <laughs> and it's just some random form system, be careful. They may not be sanitizing the data through that form, through those potentially very important inputs. Yeah. So that's sanitizing data. Now let's go into what kind of attacks, what, what can happen if you're not careful about this? Yeah. Um, and that's when you get into the cross scripting, the server side, you know, scripting attacks. Um, and, and this is really like, you know, this is where people are trying to take over your website or, or trying to add behavior to your website that, you know, maybe unexpected. Um, they're trying to redirect users. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, that somebody could access with a, a cross site script and th they could take complete control of the website, the user data, anything that's kind of coming through uh, those systems. And again, this isn't a, this isn't if somebody asked a question here about, you know, if, if there's any issue with Airtable or what, what was this um, Airtable, Zapier, Integromat, the, the, they're all going to kind of take you through that same process of scrubbing ex extra code out of that, those forms. Like Joe said, it's, it's kind of like Bob's form builder, right? But Bob might have a really cool innovation, you know, and Bob might be really well intentioned, but maybe Bob, you know, is not super secure and somebody's hacked Bob. And so now by Bob by you having Bob's form builder on your site, everything that's funneled into Bob's site or Bob's database is now up to grab for hackers. And so maybe, you know, you're not using a secure payment portal or maybe you're gathering some kind of uh, private information about your users. You're creating some kind of directory that you want to be private um, and that information gets exposed. And so the things you need to think about is if you're dealing with financial data, medical data, you know, if you're dealing with like data that's sensitive, you probably should be talking to a real security expert before you're baking some of this stuff together. Like you should not be uh, using some of these, you know, hacky no code tools for 
building those kind that kind of infrastructure. The, the the tools that this is good for is building like your little basic sites, right? Your little neighborhood website where Sally across the street and 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 Johnny across the street, you know that they just they want to talk about events that are coming up. There's no real risk there, right? Like who's going to nobody cares about this calendar that's exposed here, right? And so this also comes this like the type of data that you're uh working with also should have a little bit of bearing on the level of attention you give to the security and, and kind of what's going on here. And so um, let's let's jump into, let's see, cross-site request forgery let's, attacks. Go ahead, Joe. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to touch on a question and an answer oh. that happened as you were speaking. Yeah, sure. we had a question through the chat and Who we have it? an answer. It was asked by Useness. Useness asked if it's okay to use Zapier, Integromat, etc. So if you're using Zapier, your form is going through Webflow. And we have Alex Iglesias coming in here with the answer. Right? When you are inside Zapier, you're connecting your Webflow account, and it you the trigger is the Webflow form submission. So that is actually going through Webflow. That is being sanitized. And then Zapier is then going to do something with it. Even if you went right into Zapier, Zapier is going to have the correct security protocols in place. So yes, you're good. Zapier, Integromat, these are reliable companies um, and even more reliable since it's first going through Webflow. Great question, great answer in the group. Let's continue. What are we on next? What do we touch uh, we're next? We're talking about, uh, we got two, DOM-based XS, XSS attacks, which are still cross-site scripting attacks, um, injecting malicious JavaScript on the input, which can later be rendered on the page. So again, this is like, maybe yep. you're not submitting it to an external service. Maybe you're just submitting something into the page to then do something fancy with that or, uh, or, or you know, remember that behavior or something on, on the screen there. And so uh, again, that's another way that, that users might be over here trying to take over the site. Uh, cross-site request forgery attacks, also known as CSRF. Um, cross-site forgery, let's also known as one-click attack or session writing and abbreviated as CSRF or XSRF, is a type of malicious exploit on a website where unauthorized commands are submitted from a user that the web application trusts. And so this is somebody ghosting your site or making your site, you know, let, let's say iframing your site underneath a, a new URL or a, a, a mapped URL that then they hide, let's say a login button, uh, they hide your login button and show their login button instead. And it feels just like your login screen, except for they're entering their data into this, um, you know, malicious input here. And so uh, these are things that you can protect with stuff like uh, secure frame headers, right? Um, but this is, uh, I'm trying to think like, Webflow doesn't allow you to, there's a way you can prevent this, right? There's these things called, what were those little guys called? Um, the tokens, there's a CSRF token that you can issue on your site to prevent something like this, right? But since Webflow doesn't allow you to communicate with the server and then present that data to the front end, you can't actually create these token systems inside of Webflow. And so there's kind of no way to prevent some of this. And so again, uh, maybe Alex you need can, to work with a professional yeah you need to if you're if you need this type of validation if you need the users to to be very secure on your site you probably should be hiring someone to go and help you with that this is not something you should be setting up all by yourself this is confusing stuff we learned a lot of the stuff we're talking about just in the past week 
we've we've been through sessions with our developers explaining this stuff. It's really confusing. And we're great with Webflow and we have a technical side, but this is a whole other thing. Yeah. So if if you need that level of security, make sure you are ultra aware of it because it does not come native in Webflow. And Webflow, they can't they can't do everything. They cannot have every layer of security because they have a native system and they're expecting you to use the native system like they intended. And that's where the security lies. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, like they just can't think about everything that's going to happen. And especially as they give freedom, more freedom to the user, right? The, the more freedom they give us as users, which is what we're asking for, right? We're asking for more features. We're asking for more tools. We're asking for more functionality. And so the more functionality they give us, the more they're like, we're going to get into these issues where, uh, you know, you just create potential vulnerabilities and they're going to do as much as they can to help protect this. But again, it becomes incumbent on you, the creator of the website to understand the client and their needs. And maybe Webflow is not the right solution, right? Like this is one of those things that's hard for people in the Webflow community to say. And they're like, no, 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 Webflow, Webflow, Webflow. And we're so in love with this tool. But oftentimes, if you're dealing with a very secu like a security intensive application where you need a lot of data transfer back and forth between a server, like you may not have the flexibility to do that very easily inside of Webflow. And so this may be something that you just have to look to a different platform. And again, I think the majority of Webflow users are not using the platform for this. It's mostly design driven sites, marketing sites, you know, little basic membership sites, small little applets, you know, basic functionality thing, job boards um marketplaces things like that again where you're not really going to expose a ton of data and typically with something like that you're using this is where we'll get into third-party software you're using like a stripe to process payments right stripe is secure by default you know and so they have a ton of compliance inside of stripe this is why a lot of people default to stripe as a payment mechanism same thing with paypal right you can export your security risks to those third-party providers and this is also what webflow does in a certain sense web infrastructure, uh, also with using Stripe for all of their payment stuff. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that, you know, again, you can fix with third party software, but then you open yourself up to again, as new people start creating software in this space, these third parties are going to start to grow. And this is what happens again in the WordPress plugin marketplace. You have lots of plugins, lots of people that are wanting to build on this platform. Not all of those people have the best intentions. Right. Once you start seeing a lot of commerce, you start seeing a lot of money flow through these websites. You start seeing a lot of traffic, a lot of attention. You know, um, these are things that people want to hijack for whatever reason. Somebody may just want to redirect your traffic to their site. You may have some nice links that people are clicking on your website and people want when those links click to drive them to their website. You know, and so there's all sorts of um, ways and reasons you may not think like, oh, I have no reason for someone to, you know, I don't have any data to expose. Well, you may have traffic on your site and that traffic may be worth diverting. And so, um, you know, again, these are these are uh, just things to think about as you're considering security. Um, Joe, any thoughts on the, the third? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, of course. So you you mentioned some really reliable third party softwares like Stripe, like PayPal, things that we know and trust. There's also third-party software that may look reliable, but is not. When you go to a, a website and they say, copy and paste this script to your site, do you know what's inside that script? Probably not, unless you're an expert, unless you really know JavaScript, even opening up that file, you're not going to know what's going on. So when, when you're using a service and it says, copy and paste this script, you are using a third-party software, a third-party tool, and there can be anything inside that tool. 
So just to to say this one more time, make sure you really trust what you are putting on your site. Make sure you trust the team. Make sure you trust the service. Make sure it's not some one-off solution that you randomly found inside of a Stack Overflow comment thread. That could be dangerous. So just because it's third-party, just because it's completely separate from Webflow doesn't mean it's secure. Yeah. And I want to um, I, I want to go back just a second. Joel makes a good point here about the CSRF that we were just talking about when external sites make requests on your user behalf. Um, he talks about you, you can set it up using a back end. But, but again, you have to now create an external back end to connect to Webflow to do some of these things. And that introduces a whole another layer of things you got to worry about. And so, yes, there are workarounds for a lot of this stuff. Um, there's another question here. I reached out on, uh, Matthew's asking, I reached out on MemberStack to hire a professional for a financial client that required a dashboard, sensitive content, little response. Um, any advice yeah. on the rest of the comment is, is hiring for that kind of stuff. Um, this is hard. Again, oh crap. This- <laughs> <laughs> Let's grow. We're going to keep growing. <laughs> I got my buttons too close to each other to pull the graphics. Um, no, the... Um, like you're not going to find a lot of member stack or member space or these, you know, other third party providers wanting to create any, like they just, you don't, they're not made to create financial systems, you know, financial systems, you need a lot higher level security and you're just not going to find a lot of people that want to jump on, uh, you know, using Webflow and, and, a, and a member stack to create that kind of dashboard, uh, as powerful as those tools are, um, even member stack, they have a disclaimer that says, Hey, don't hide secure data with this, you know, on their website. They have a very, you know, like specific warning, like just don't do this. Uh, and there's there's reasons for some of that. So um, anyways, uh, back to third party software. Um, I, th- I think we're probably good to, to jump to the dealing with APIs, Let's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which which relates it's, right into third party software. It's part of the third party software. It's like a carry on because the way you connect a third party software is you either connect an API or you grab your API key on the Webflow side of things and connect that to the service. You give them that key. Um, and so, you, you know, like a lot of people don't really understand what that does, right? Joe, you want to you like just talk to people a little bit about what they're opening themselves up to as they um, give hand sure. somebody over the, the API. Yeah, giving somebody an API key, whether it's, doesn't matter the platform that you're giving the API key of, that's essentially like giving admin level access to that platform. So if you're giving your Webflow API key, that is admin level access to your Webflow. If you're giving your API key of Marketo, you are giving admin level access to Marketo. This is really dangerous, of course. And this is absolutely not something you should ever be doing on the front end of your Webflow site. This is, it's really sensitive, it's really dangerous, and make sure that when you are interacting with APIs that you understand if it is a private API or a publicly accessible API. It's very important. Even me, when I I can read documentation, I understand it, I always, send it to one of our developers and I say, hey, just make sure this is good to go. Just make sure that I can communicate this with the client and tell them that we're able to go and do this. And Jay, great comment. I wouldn't give my mom my API key. That's a good practice. I wouldn't do that either. Uh, that's it, It's really dangerous. And let's get into what, what somebody can do if they have your Webflow CMS API. Yep. We see Pixel Geek, Nelson in here, 
telling us, pretty much saying, don't give softwares your Webflow Projects API key. Why? If somebody has your Webflow CMS API key, they can get a list of all of your projects, read a list of all of your domains, read, write, and update all your collections and collection items, upload images to your assets manager, read, write, and update all your e-commerce products and categories, including the inventories, get all of your e-commerce orders, fulfill, unfulfill, and refund all your orders, get all your webhooks and create new ones. Webhooks are used for binding with third-party apps so they could potentially send data to them. That list is scary. Mm. You should only be giving your Webflow CMS API key to highly reliable sources, to sources, to products, to developers that you really trust. That is giving your keys plus more to your Webflow account. Yeah. So be very, very careful about that. Yeah, and again, you, you think this isn't a big deal until one day you show up to your site and all this content you spent a year working on is just gone. You know, and maybe there's uh, one of the things Webflow has backups, you know, and so like theoretically you could restore a backup and, you know, th you may not think this is that much of an issue, but let's say you got a small e-commerce store and all of a sudden your money disappears or it looks like all your issues, orders have been refunded or you know, um, I guess the money can't disappear because that's all happening through strikes. So you, you still don't have access to the money. Um, but they could trigger refunds inside of Stripe, which would then automatically like issue refunds. And so there's Scary. just a world of. Yeah. And, and not only that, but they could just be watching. Right. So s lots of people may just want to have this thing to, to scan sites. Right. They may want to see what kind of behavior is taking place on these sites. Um, and again, they may be redirecting your products to their links. So you, like how often do you go through your e-commerce collection or your CMS collection and check all of the links to make sure that they actually link to where you think they are, right? So let's say somebody goes through, they pull your content and they republish your content, but now all of your links redirect to somebody else's site. Again, now all of this work that you're doing is going to be used for somebody else. And this is stuff that if you're not familiar with WordPress are things that we had to, you had to deal with all the time. Like I, I remember having sites hacked. I remember having plugins that would uh, malfunction and you would just have, you know, like they would inject products and links and just words, just keywords on the site would turn into links and certain things. And so like uh, there's, it's a nightmare. It's one of the reasons why you have to maintain and worry about maintaining that WordPress site so diligently and keeping up with the most recent version of WordPress. Um, and so again, this is a, a value that Webflow offers that you don't have with WordPress. But as you grow, as you start pushing the limits of the sites that you build, you start introducing some of those concerns again. Um, and the API, and like, also, go, go ahead. Don't, don't only think of it as trusting the one source that you're giving it to. Mm -hmm. You have to trust that that source is also keeping it secure. So if you give it to Bob's forums, Bob's forums may not have any malicious intent, right? Bob is a great person. He's not doing anything with your API key. But maybe Bob's system is not that secure in itself. And a hacker goes to Bob's systems and gets into that information. Now your information is at risk. So it's not just trusting that one person. It's making sure that that person is also very concerned about the security implica impl implications around these API keys. Yeah. Really important. Um, yeah. And let's see, We uh, just a couple questions to probably address as it, um, 
Let's see, where did it go? Who was asking that? Eunice, there it is. Uh, oh no, he's saying he's using a lot of third party. Maybe we want to mention, you know, uh, web, you know, our, our FinSuite. Do, do, what, what about the security as it relates to the tools that we're creating, the libraries that we're issuing? Like, yeah. are, are there concerns to be had there? Yeah. Absolutely. Right now, we do not have anything public that asks for your API key. We are working on several products right now that will ask for your API key. We're building systems to make sure that this is secure. We have a very talented team that really cares about security. We have Alex coming up with some really, really solid dev advice, some solid security advice, and him and the rest of the team are making sure that we are at our top game for security because this is really important. So we are working on it. We're going to be aware of it, but also know that everything is hackable. And I think I saw this somewhere in the comments that no matter what system you have there's always a chance that it is at has some vulnerability so yeah yeah even yeah, and, even us be careful and, and yeah and um ollie here is saying if we have time go into detail about why tools like member stack member space outside etc aren't 100 secure and it's not that they're not 100 secure it's that well okay first of all they don't hide the content i think uh what was alex's reply here is they just hide the content i mean they're not actually securing the connection at the server level. Uh, any information that you collect, let's say, and put it in through like a member stack meta uh, mem meta information, or uh, you know that's that's served up through the authentication app. Once you authenticate, then you can have access to that data. That stuff is going to be secure. It's the other stuff, like let's say you have a CMS collection and you're routing a Zapier form that then uploads the CMS with a profile page that you then display on the site, and that profile page has all the user's data on it. If that stuff's being served up as part of the Webflow CMS, it's being served up to the front of the site, member stack, uh, member space, et cetera, these other sites, uh, apps will hide that data, but it's not like secure, the, the, the content's still there, and somebody, again, like uh, Alex uh, Iglesias here, could go in and access that content, even though you have this membership gate in front of that. Uh, and there's lots of people that you know can do that. Um, and so again, that's why, you know, like there's there's some contention about do you need server side security? Is it just client side security? And so that that, you know, is just one of those things you need to think about based on the type of application you're building. Um, anyway, we need to help Bob. Geek. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Bob's form. He's taking advantage of everybody over here. So let's talk a little bit about uh, best practices <laughs> and we'll get deep into the Q&A here. So um, what are some of the things people can be doing uh, to, to secure their site? Webflow offers two-factor authentication. You know, that's uh, something you should for sure be setting up. Um, don't individual logins. You should not be sharing logins with clients. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people talking in the community where they don't want to create a, a account or, you know, they don't want to have extra plans or, or, or sites on their account or whatever. And so they'll have the client create an account and then they just get the login credentials. And maybe then you share that with somebody else because you don't want to buy an extra seat. And next thing you know, it just creates a whole bunch of hurdles and you never know who has your password. Right. And so uh, two things that creates one is, you know, just anybody could be logged in as a site as that initial user at any given time. Two, it doesn't track who's making updates. And so like, let's say I push something up and Joe goes and it looks and it looks like, you know, some, somebody else on the team because we were already doing that. There's no accountability for me to say, hey, who made these changes or who did what? And so one of the reasons for those individual users is for us to be able to say like, hey, who's who's doing these like changes? Who's publishing the sites? You know, and, and that, again, creates a little bit of accountability. And so 
Um, obviously, best practices is scrubbing those plugins, scrubbing the JavaScript, especially for any security intensive. Like you shouldn't just be copying and pasting any code if you have any kind of real security requirements. To, to just to be point blank honest, right? Talk to any developer. Yeah, if you're absolutely. just copy and pasting code from the web and just slapping things together, and you think that you're going to build a secure application, like it's just it's it's not going to happen without again knowing what to look for and how to protect against some of that stuff. Um, Joe, any any other thoughts, thoughts, concerns? And what about uh, does does anybody in the audience send send them out to us? Um, if you have best practices, things that you guys are doing with Webflow security that, you know, that we haven't maybe covered here or vulnerabilities that you see that maybe, uh, we haven't addressed yet inside of Webflow specifically, uh, anything like that. Now's the time we can go into, uh, some heavy Q and a, uh, Joe, any, any thoughts there before we jump over to this next category? No, let's, let's go right into the Q and a. Yeah. If anybody has any questions or, or we miss something or you want a little bit more clarification, let's go into that now. Uh, Rymar, that also creates issues with GDPR and frameworks like that. You can't prove who's processing the data. Yeah, uh, again, great point. We talked a lot about GDPR last uh, week or two weeks ago, whatever that was. And um, one of the things that you need to be able to do is compliance as to who's processing the data. You need to have a data controller. You, you know, there's all these check boxes you have to tick uh, for GDPR compliance. And so a lot of these things cross over accessibility, security, GDPR compliant, like a lot of these things, you know, have some overlap. And uh, Pierre is pointing out right there that if you're sharing logins, uh, you may also invalidate some of your GDPR um, compliance there. So let's see, uh, Jay is saying, I lost a 100 gigabyte folder back in the day because a user account is able to find it and put it back. If that wasn't the case, would have lost all kinds of data, whatever you're saying. Yeah, um, it, you listen, there's nothing more scary than having your website go down. Um, one of the things I love in Webflow that I never have to worry about now uh, that I used to have to worry about in WordPress was like just getting a like a, a fatal error on your site. You know, if you ever tried to log in and you get like a plugin that just fails or something that just crashes and you like, you literally you're freaked out because you're not a developer, you know? And I remember one time I used to work with this little dev shop and I remember one time our site got hacked and we couldn't even get into our back end. And I watched this guy go in through some kind of like Hocus Pocus, I don't know where he even accessed the site. He literally rooted right into the server, uh, got in through a back door, and ne I, I never saw, you know, like this was so new to me at the time. He never even saw the web interface, literally just do, 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 did whatever his little magic is, and he was in the site. And he was able to reverse whatever the malicious code was, and he was able to kind of fix the site. But again, like, there's so few people that have that level of technical complexity or, or, or capacity. Um, and so again, this is one of the beautiful things that Webflow offers. You don't have to deal with these things, uh, but they are real concerns. And at some point, you know, we may have to, when Webflow starts giving us more server access, when they start giving us, you know, logic controls and user accounts and some of these other things, this may not all be the case, right? They may change some of that up. And so again, just know that if you watch this video today and you think, oh, I know a little bit about Webflow security tomorrow, maybe not, right? Tomorrow, this could all change. And so um that's one of the things about working in this technical space is that things are always up in the air and um there's always new things to learn and, and, and think about and these these requirements are going to be more intense as people want more with the web we're seeing more requests for user systems we're seeing more requests for advanced functionalities because they saw it somewhere else or they have this grand idea and they know that the web is much more powerful today so as clients get more demanding, we're going to get more of these requests. 
Just because someone asks you to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. We get a lot of requests for very technical, very sensitive type tasks. And we turn down almost all of them because the budget's really low. And in order to jump into this type of project, we need our very best technical people who are more experienced, who are working on bigger projects. So small budget, really technical, just pass it, pass it. Don't don't jump into the project just because yeah. you think you can do it. Well, and this we goes have a really interesting to, question from this goes uh, back to hang sorry. on understanding your limitations, you know, like, yeah, like knowing your, what we talked about the show about Webflow limitations. There are platform limitations and then there are personal limitations. And so you should not be talking to banks or, you know, financial advisors who want to build a, a back end system for their investment portfolio or like you just shouldn't do that. You <laughs> like if you're not proficient in having those conversations or um like penny's asking here i think was that the question you're going to joe or no which what, what was that? no let's go to the penny question yeah um my she, question's asking, from yannick okay uh, we'll, we'll jump back to that one next she's asking if you're hiring a webflow developer which you asked to figure out whether they understand security issues and because this is another thing right if you don't know when you trust somebody to come in and do this work and you just assume they know what they're talking about how do you make that, you know, uh, that, that's a great question, Penny. How, how do you make that determination, Joe? You, you need someone to speak to. You, you need a reliable developer that you trust. That's, I know that that's a really difficult thing to hear and thing to say, but if you're even interested in these types of projects, you need an advisor for this. We have those advisors at FinSuite. That's why we're able to take on these projects or not take on these projects. You as a designer, you can have a good understanding of it, but you may never get to the point where you truly understand what's going on. And you need that technical advisor that you trust that can tell you, yeah, we can do this or we can't do this. Yeah. So yeah, that's, this is where the, the that, that's what I would recommend. Find that work. person. Yeah. Finding the right yeah. person for the job right? Like the best way in my mind to find somebody is they've done it before, you know? And so like yeah. you shouldn't be hiring somebody with two websites in their portfolio to build you a secure web app. Like it's just not the right move. You know, um, you need to go find somebody who's built a bunch of secure web apps and has a track record of building secure web apps. And that may send you into a new tier, right? Like you just heard Joe say that we turn this type of work down and we're a big web, a web flow agency. So if we're turning this kind of stuff down, you know, maybe maybe Joe Schmo over here doesn't have those same kind of uh, values in their business. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to take the, the job at whatever your budget is. And then you end up 90, you know, 90 percent of this project figuring out that you're stuck and you got to go respend this money again. So whatever cost savings you thought you were going to get by hiring this other person, you throw right out the door by ending up kind of, you know, on your face as you build this product. And so really, I think the only way uh, to predict future performance is, is past performance, right? Uh, there, there's a quote about that that I can't think of right now. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, Joe, um, any thoughts there before we go back to the other question? I think you had a, you wanted to address Yannick's question. Yeah, let, let's go to Yannick's question. When using an external script, should I reference the external JavaScript using a CDN versus hosting my own copy, copying the code into Webflow? That's that's a nice question. Really good. Uh, let me answer by saying if you're using a script URL from a CDN, that can be changed at any time. 
So you're putting a URL script on your site. It's working great, working great, working great. And then whoever's hosting that script gets hacked. Someone goes in and changes the contents of that script. Now that script's doing something different on your site. Does this happen all the time? No. Can it happen? Yeah. If you host it on your own server and your own server is not secure, then that same thing can happen to you. If you put it direct on your Webflow site, someone has to go into your Webflow site to go and edit it. So there's no, there's no formal answer here, but if you are using something from a CDN, make sure you trust that CDN. It's a reliable CDN source. It's not bobsforms.cdn.com or cdn.bobsforms.com uh, because someone gets into Bob and now that, that script is doing something very different. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I mean there's so much. And the thing is that this is that we talked about this before that right now this creator space is like the wild west, you know? And there's a lot of people building cool stuff and this mentality, this mantra of, you know, move fast and break things is kind of the norm and that's okay. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I we we embrace that here at FinSuite. Uh, internally, me, just me personally, like I kind of operate under that, uh, rule set. Um, but there's things that you then have to take a little extra care to do. And there's certain things that is okay to move fast and break. There's other things that you need to make sure you don't break. And again, that goes down to just scoping and understanding the client's needs and really understanding your skill set and what you're capable of delivering in order to price these out. Actually, if you look next, um, Next week, we're talking about how to scope your projects. And so maybe we'll talk about how to, you know, ask some of these questions that relate to uh, figuring out whether or not you have security issues or there's some vulnerabilities that'll come up. And so we should keep that uh, kind of in mind. Um, let's see, we got some comments coming. <laughs> Can we start a GoFundMe for Bob? I feel bad for him. Yeah, Nelson, um, I'm in. We could we could buy, buy Bob some lunch here. Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian Fritch is saying, agreed, same with affiliate marketing, they can change the script and boom, you lose if they don't provide you an update. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of places where those little things can can cause hurdles that you just don't think about. Um, and then Alex is following up here, not only the CDN, but the original source of the script. Does it come from a GitHub project or an NPM package? Go and check if, they, if it's vastly used, ergo is trusted, right? So if there's a million people using the script, it's probably a higher likelihood that it's a stable, you know, useful script versus if there's like 12 people using the thing, you know? And so um, that that's a great thing to, although that doesn't always um, prove to be the case with Webflow plugins, you see them all the time, or WordPress plugins, you see all the time that, you know, some, like an Elementor has been breached and now it opens up your entire WordPress site uh, to some vulnerabilities and that's millions of sites. And so, yeah. Um, Let's see what Joel's saying. That yeah, we have a great comment from Joel. It's worth mentioning you can hash check JS libraries to ensure the source hasn't changed. JS Deliver offers this feature. Right. One time we we used um, yeah, I, it was a a JavaScript file from a GitHub page, and it's it was around for years, and we used it, and it was on a, an important client's website. It was it was feeding their job board. And then just randomly the, the GitHub account was shut down and that, that script did not exist anymore. The job board didn't exist anymore on the client site. And 
we get we get a message from them saying, hey, our job board is down, which is was very, very important to them. Some people wouldn't care if it's down for a day or two. But when you're working with a big company, that traffic, maybe they have ads on on that page and they're sending people there through ads. So now that doesn't exist anymore. And it's because we used a script that did not exist because we didn't host it ourselves. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. You have to be very aware of that stuff. This was like three and a half years ago. We would never do that now. But you have to learn and, and start that learning process now. Don't start it once it happens. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see in our notes if there's anything we missed. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, anytime you're adding a login, I think is the biggest thing. That was kind of like the, the, yeah. the red flag that we got, um, on our end is, is anytime you're kind of creating that secure, what, what a user would perceive to be a secure portion of a site, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes the user perceives a, a lot more security than like we, we do, we do this, right? Like if you open a private browser, you're like, Oh, I'm secure. I'm being blocked from the web. It ain't shit, right? <laughs> and so like this perception of the user, right, comes into play yeah. here where when you create a login on your uh, Webflow site, the user has some kind of expectation of privacy and you may immediately be betraying that by the way you've set it up. And so you may think that you're doing something of value. Uh, you start building a small community of people who trust you and maybe you're getting a little bit of momentum and you're right on the edge of breaking free and then bang, the whole thing falls apart because you forgot or because you tried to cheap out on your membership uh, set up or because you didn't talk to somebody who knew what they were doing. You're like, I'm going to build this myself. And now this thing that you've been building for two years, it's sitting on its ass and you can't access the site. You can't access the content like there, this, it's, it seems like a fringe case, but this happens all the time, right? It doesn't happen again in, in Webflow a lot because of the things we talked about today. It's serving flat files. You don't have access to the server. There's not that many Webflow sites in the grand scheme of things. But again, this will change over time. And so, you know, just protect your work, protect it, you know, like think about, you know, you just, you just don't want to have that happen. You don't want to wake up one day to a bunch of emails saying, Hey, your website's down and you just don't know what to do or how to get to it. You know, any like that, it's just devastating. We have a question from Penny. How would you host a script yourself on a Webflow site? Penny, there's a lot of different options for this. There's a lot of providers that will let you upload JavaScript files, upload CSS files, and then have secure links for that. We are actually working on a solution for you for JavaScript file hosting, because this is a problem in Webflow. So I, I don't have a, a date when this will be complete, but we have our technical team building this solution for people exactly like you who want to do things with JavaScript files, but don't even know where to, to go and start hosting them. Um, it, and if anybody has any specific recommendations for hosting we, files, please share that. We use we AWS. About, yeah. Yes. What do we think about what Pablo's saying here? It's good to host your scripts as text files on the Webflow assets. Is, is that a, is that a move? Uh, maybe Alex in the comments, you can, you know, as does that create any other vulnerabilities? Um, we've heard cases of people thinking their, you know, API or their API key is safe inside of some JavaScript on a site. You know, because it's the API key is not specifically exposed, but maybe it's hidden in some JavaScript, uh, not safe, not, you know, again, that's not safe practices. So, um, 
let's see, and call then with, I think you can upload as a text file to the Webflow Assets Manager and then call it in with JavaScript is what Pixel Geek is saying. Uh, so again, we'll wait to see, yep. we'll wait for Alex. Alex, if you're still in the comments there, um, let us know if that's secure or not. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's one solution. Joe was saying we use AWS. Uh, where were you headed with that? Uh, yes, we, we, well, I have, um, I have a, a note here that we did not hit during this show. So before we close off, I want to make sure that we hit this important piece. It's so, it is so default for us that sometimes we don't even think about it. Webflow has this really great SSL feature where you turn SSL on it's just a little checkbox, it's a little toggle, and then you're magically SSL secure. That's great. It's a wonderful, wonderful feature. You always have to go and do this. Now, it's also very important that you never import external sources through HTTP. You need to have HTTPS external sources. So if you have your beautiful Webflow site, HTTPS, SSL, you're great. And then you're using a resource that's HTTP. Now you are not secure under SSL and you are, you are not doing what you are supposed to do. So please make sure that you do this. And anytime that you are using HTTP, make sure that you add that S if it is allowed by that external source or don't use it at all. Do not use HTTP. Yeah, so just download to make the sure server that up, download the image or the asset and upload it yourself, like they were talking about right. with the JavaScript files. Exactly. Here's a exactly. Um, right. here's a note from Alex. No vulnerabilities for text files. Just super cumbersome to have any kind of versioning control of the scripts. So that makes sense. It's hard to kind of keep track of um, you know what what version of the script you have in there. Maybe you make an update over here and it doesn't get updated over there, and so you could end up with old broken functionality. Uh, Corey is saying that he loves the workflow that Ben Parker walks through using GitHub to pull and manage external code. Um, could you share a link to that, uh, Corey? I know I've seen it, uh, but if you have it on hand, could you share a link in the comments? That would be great. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw that before about uh, linking to, to GitHub and loading external scripts through there. So um, let's see. curious to know Alex Iglesias thinks of that. Um, again, we're building our own uh, we, source source for this. So go ahead, Joe. Yeah, we are now that Alex is on our team. We are putting all of our dev practices up to the 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 best level of development. So we are now using GitHub as a primary source to go and serve files, and our new solution is going to be very integrated with that. So our new solution, JavaScript files for Webflow, that is absolutely going to take that into consideration. And yes, check out Ben Parker. I have not seen Ben Parker's walkthrough, but using GitHub as a source for this is good. So Penny, to, to add on to my answer before, go and check that out. Right. All right. Uh, I think that's, I mean, that's the end of, uh, that's the end of our scripted content here. Let's see. Um, one, one real quick, this is just making a comment here. I'll just for posterity for everyone to kind of see. Adding scripts to the files, asset manager, Alex is coming back. Let's see, we use GitHub plus NPM plus JS deliver to serve the libraries like the cooking consent we just released. So um, there's Alex answering kind of the infrastructure. Uh, be careful using, there's a follow-up to that. Be careful on using just GitHub as a source. You don't want the code to be public. Uh, okay, that's, yeah, that's a great point. Maybe you don't want to expose the, the raw code uh, to the public. 
Um, and so there's there's another. Um, let me let me add one more. Let me add um, another add-on answer to a question we had before. There was a question saying asking how to find people in security, how to find people that you trust. I trust Alex because he asks a million questions and and really just make sure that every single piece is touched. So if I'm asking him a question, hey, can we do this? He doesn't just say yes or no. He says, is this a concern? Is this a concern? What about this? What about this? What about this? And he gives a checklist to for me to go and figure out or ask the client or take into consideration. So when you're working with somebody, they should be asking a lot of questions and really understanding every single piece of, of what's going on. It's Most of this is not will decide what the best method is yeah yeah okay uh let's see one more no where is it uh jay poucher's asking do we have a way of updating like a quick status in case gather goes down or the live stream goes down like happened today uh we do not have like uh some kind of live feed um update thing so maybe maybe that's something we need to consider as we get more active we are uh thinking about building a community homepage for all of this content that we're doing and so uh, it'd be like our, our link to the co-working space and maybe it'd be interesting to have some kind of feed up there. The problem is that in real time, let's say we did it with like a Webflow CMS, it might take us longer to go and update that than just to fix the problem or to, do, you know, to do whatever. And so sometimes that's a hurdle. Uh, the best place I think would be Twitter. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter and, uh, and, and, and the social channels. Uh, those are easy to update sometimes, but, um, yeah, that's something to think about. So, uh, for sure. Um, and I think that's it. Hunter, uh, any tips on getting accepted to the Webflow Experts program? Joe, any thoughts on that? Uh, build a lot of sites. Yeah. You should have a you should have a vast client list with a lot of clean Webflow builds, and that I believe is going to be your best way to get in there. Really reliable builds with reliable clients. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I saw this question before, so let's give this a second here. Is Bubble as a back end and Webflow as a front end a secure option? I heard some people doing this, but not sure how to link the two. This seems like a nightmare to try to manage and build, to be honest. Um, you, it's probably if something like this is happening, it's happening through Webhooks or Zapier or something like that. Um, the problem is any like Bubble does allow you to create secure backends, right? I don't know how that links up to Webflow. I'm not technical bubble user. And so I, I, I wouldn't know enough to answer, um, that, uh, okay. I think that's it. That's Episode it. 11 All is right. in the books y'all. We did that. Uh, a little snafu right at the beginning. I promise one of the days we're going to get an episode perfect. <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> we're working on I'm it. I'm not going to play we're an outro in the middle of the show. I'm not going to mess up the timing of the intro. <laughs> I'm not going to stream to the wrong location. Like one of these days, we're just going to have a flawless stream. Okay. So y'all stick with us. It's going to happen. I promise. <laughs> um, Maybe Jay. next week. What are we talking about next week? Yeah. April next 6, 2021. We are talking about accurately estimating a project. We're now going away from the technical side. We're going away from the security side. We're talking about how to tell clients what they should pay and how to establish how much a project should cost. 
So come, come hang out next week. We'll be taking questions. We will be talking about this together. Yeah. And go cast your vote. Um, we've got some, some cool stuff that's kind of in the, the weeds here. Let's actually pull this graphic and swap to the desktop. And let's look. There's a ton of stuff that we can... Uh, so, so go through and cast your vote today. Go over to growth.finsuite.com. Uh, you, you know, and you can also submit some topics down here at the bottom. So if you don't see anything on this list that you like, uh, you know, we're, we're actively receiving and curating suggestions from this list. And we'd love to hear from you, you know, so share a vote. This show is really just intended to help answer questions from the community. Our goal at FinSuite here is to give back as much as possible to the community that supports us. And so um, that's what this is all about. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for hanging with us. And uh, let's have and grow. Thank you.